Welcome to Finding True Worth, a podcast dedicated to people who have graduated from self-improvement books and promises of quick fixes and are ready to take action. I'm Amani Esamed, spiritual advisor and personal growth mentor. In each episode, we bring you a guest sharing insights, wisdom, and strategies designed to help you cultivate self-authority and create a life based on true worth. Today, my good friend and client, Roderick, joins me to talk on the topic of redefining success on your terms. Thank you so much for joining me today. Roderick and I have been having these conversations in context of private mentorship, and we thought many of the things that we've been discussing could be beneficial for others to hear. Welcome, Roderick. Hello. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome and glad to have you. So tell us a little bit about your story, where you grew up, your upbringing, and perhaps education, whatever you'd like to share. So I'm from Maryland, Marlboro. I am 29. I've been here all my life, born and raised. I went to the Matha Catholic High School, Hmm. studied undergrad at North Carolina A&T, and currently I'm still in Marlboro. I'm in law enforcement, and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's you. Yeah, that's, that's Roderick. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So going back to your history in terms of childhood and maturing into an adulthood, what would you say growing up, what was your idea of success? Growing up, I felt like it was the cliche idea of having a big house, having a lot of cars, being a CEO of some firm, just your typical you know, millionaire you see on the TV, like that's, that was, that was it. But that was, I'm learning now that that was more of an immature representation of success. Like just growing up, I'm starting to see how life works and how things actually happen. You know, that was a a very childish way of thinking about it. And when you say childish, Roderick, your conception obviously of success was not you know, something you came about on your own? Was it something you saw on TV or something you heard around you? What shaped you to have that childish view of success? Well, yeah, just more so just television. You know, you see people with the white picket fence or, you know, the big house or just friends at school. Like they were more so, other people were more so the determining factor of what success is or like the validating factor or the approval. Oh, if you like, if you showed up with a a nice car, oh man, that's clean. I like that. Like you're doing your thing. Mm -hmm. So it was more so, you know, other people shaping my idea of success as opposed to me actually figuring out and defining success for myself. So do you (laughs) see that success in terms of how you grew up and how you understood it was more so meeting a status quo Right. Of what society considers success. Interesting. Correct. Now, you had mentioned just now that the way you view success now is different than back then. Can you elaborate what perhaps impacted that change in success or if there was any mentorship that mentor or anyone you kind of looked up to? Yeah. So I'm really big on self-help and self-development. Same here. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I guess to start it off, it would be my dad and my granddad who kind of paved the way. Mm. My dad is an entrepreneur. He also is in law enforcement, but he has a construction company, Mm. a landscaping company. That was my first job growing up. I've been working since I was six years old and started with him. 
And my granddad, he bought his first tractor trailer when he was in his 20s. This was back in the 70s. And he still drives today and he hauls. And that's, he created his own future. Like he retired and everything. He's still doing his entrepreneur endeavors now. But as far as like mentors, they would be probably the the pioneers that started it off. But also, like I said, I do the self-help and I YouTube and I find different people that I can kind of relate to. I listen to Jim Rohn, Les Brown, Steve Harvey, you know, just different people who I can kind of listen to to kind of get a better understanding of where I want to go in life. And they kind of help shape my ideas, I guess, on what I deem as success, being successful. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. good to hear that the impact of those individuals, how they can have you kind of re-examine the status quo success type to right. one that is more personable. Can you walk us through what that experience is like or was like or any particular steps that you may help our listeners try to identify, okay, Maybe if I do X, Y, Z, or if I have this experience, I can see myself having more a personalized identity with my level of success or what I want to be considered success for me. My question is, what were those particular steps? So what was that experience like to come from this place of having the status quo success to now one being more personalized? I guess growing up, in general, I just started to realize where I didn't want to be in life. And I started to, I guess, work backwards. Let's kind of reverse engineer it. Going to work. Now that I'm, I have, I'm in my career, I was going to work and I would see people or talk to my colleagues and coworkers. They'll work 20, 30 years and still complain and kind of moan and groan about they aren't where they want to be or... You know, they work, they dedicate all this time and energy to this job and they're still struggling. So Mm. I guess I'm kind of working with the end in mind in the beginning to kind of, all right, well, I know at some point in time I want to retire. And, you know, there are things that are going to happen regardless. They're inevitable. So I guess, you know, I wanted to start shaping my life to kind of reflect my vision of what I wanted my future to be. And so that's where maybe picket fence and the big cars and the nice clothes and the house doesn't mean as much. Like maybe maybe I should start focusing on what matters more. And that's kind of where it came about. That's very interesting because it almost feels like you actually had a front seat to the status quo of success, looking at your colleagues and constituents Mm -hmm. to see how they were living and saying, hey, I can't identify with them because they're still unhappy or they're still unfulfilled. And that's not the direction of my life where I would like to go. Right. Correct. And like they say, don't recreate the will. You know, you will learn from other people's mistakes. So not saying that there's mistakes. I mean, everyone has their own experience, but I feel as though like I said, I kind of have an idea of where I want to go and I'm seeing or the same. I'm doing the same thing that the people around me are complaining about. Maybe I should change up my movement a little bit. OK, shifting, you know, a little bit. Let me ask you, Roderick, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced as your thinking has shifted with this new redefined look at success for yourself? It would be 
Procrastination. That would be a big one. Making sacrifices. When I say procrastination, it's hard to keep yourself going sometimes. So like, it's easy to just say, you know what, I'm going to just chill today. I'm going to just lay low and take it easy. Not having a spotter. And what I mean by that, I used to work out a lot when I was in college. I mean, I still try to go now, but I had a friend who, you know, as a, when, when you're in a gym, you have a spotter to help you lift the weight. You know, once you get to the point where you can't do anymore, that's your person to help you continue and get your last reps out. So you don't really have that in life. I mean, you have your support system, but you don't have anyone there just kind of always keeping you accountable for everything. So I would say, you know, not having, you know, someone there to kind of keep you going or you having to keep yourself going. I would say one challenge would be fear of the unknown. You're really betting on yourself. So, you know, you don't know what the outcome may be, but you you just have to kind of roll with the punches and handle business accordingly. So I heard you say in terms of your biggest challenges was procrastination, having someone a spotter to keep you accountable and thirdly, dealing with the fear of that unknown. Before I go forward, let me step back because we understood that you changed your understanding or what you feel success is to you. And you talked a little bit about that. Can you actually tell us what is success to you and what that looks like for you today? Sure. Success for me is, you know, there's different levels to it. I feel as though, you know, you can be successful in your spirit. I feel like you can be successful financially and personally in your relationships. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with, like I said before, having a big house and the cars and stuff. For example, being successful to me now is taking care of your family, being a good husband, being a good father, you know, having a wife who adores you and children that respect you. We go out into the world and war with the world every day. So I feel like being able to come home to tranquility and peace of mind and peace is a success. Being able to just take care of your responsibilities and be the leader in your household, that's success. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like I said, what the world views you as. Like you can be a poor person, but rich in the minds of your family. So I feel like that's a greater level of success, not just the materialistic things of this world. So... When you talk about how you've redefined this success and it sounds like it's more of a being versus an actual having of materialistic things. You also mentioned one of your biggest challenges is fear. So how does fear show up in the certain things that you aspire or you're striving for in the area of success in your personalized way? Fear kind of reveals itself. You're constantly hoping for the best, right? You don't want to mess up. And me personally, like, well, for everyone, I guess we're our own worst critic. So I'm constantly trying to make sure I'm showing up and I'm on on point with everything I do. And so I guess fear just kind of brings about doubt and frustration and it kind of messes with your head a little bit as if, you know, you're less than who trying to be. You're not showing up to life. Um, we, we spoke about this before where, you know, if you're going to show up to the party, like don't just haphazardly be there, like actually 
you know, take initiative. So I guess fear would be betting on myself and not necessarily knowing where, where it's going to go, but still not allowing fear to be the dictator or to persuade me otherwise, to, to keep me kind of going in the direction toward where I see myself and envision myself going to S and being a success, being successful. That's really good, Roderick, because I know a lot of our listeners struggle with that. You have on one side wanting to be ambitious and be successful, but on the other side, you have this intrepidation or something that just keeps you doing what you have been doing day in and day out, showing itself as fear and not being able to move beyond that. And your response is more so, being accountable to yourself to allow yourself to move beyond those fearful thoughts or whatever that fear can create. So can you share or explain with our listeners the definition of self-accountability? Sure. I guess it's more so checking yourself. Yeah. Like keeping yourself in check or having a, you know, this checks and balance system. I spoke about going to the gym early and having a spotter It's being your own spotter. You know, you have to kind of get up and light your own fire, but not only light the fire, you have to keep it lit, you know. So just uh, making sure that what you say or what you set out to do, that you continue to do it and you don't deviate from that plan. I wrote a poem, actually, that kind of touched on that topic a little bit about self-accountability. And in it, one of the lines was, you know, in us all, there's a king and a fool. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, you know, displays that, you know, you can be this fool, someone who goes about, you know, living life haphazardly and doing whatever they wanted to do without a care or be the king, the one, the, per- the person that takes responsibility for their actions, the person that actually shows up and commands respect, the person that actually, you know, handles business and gets things done. So, you know. It's easy just to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just let it fall wherever it falls and keep it moving. Or, you know, you own up to it. So I feel like self-accountability is you being able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, look, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and make sure that that's executed and not allowing anything, any outside factor come in and disrupt that. That's really powerful, especially with the piece from your poem. Hopefully we'll get to hear more of it later on in our episode today. So thank you for explaining the self-accountability part. And my question is, how do you practice that on from day to day on a practical level? I try to stay true to myself. You know, whatever I, my word is, I bond. So if I say I want to do something, I try to make sure I have every intention and I put myself in a position to make sure that I see it through to completion. For example, I talked about working out and eating healthfully. So if, if I say that, hey, you know, I get up today and I want to make sure I eat healthfully, I'm a cook and make sure I get get some good food in me. If I sit around all day, then I make myself get hungry and now get to the point where I don't feel like waiting. I don't feel like going shopping. I don't feel like cooking. And instead of going to the grocery store, I go to McDonald's real quick. All right. Well, at the beginning of the day, I said I was going to cook and make sure I ate healthily. But toward the end of the day, I just, you know, 
gave in to myself and a McDonald's. So, you know, I try to acknowledge those moments more often and make sure that whatever I set out to do in the beginning, that I see it through to completion. Also, speaking to a friend, she told me that, you know, anytime that you act against what you say, you erode trust in yourself. Hmm. So to continuously go on about my day, just saying one thing and acting totally against it, it's, those are shots against myself. So, you know, it's not who I want to be. And it's slowly pushing me in the opposite direction. It's not propelling me forward into my future in which I envision for myself. So just try to make sure that those moments of weakness, when I do want to deviate from the plan, you know, I say, hey, no, this is what I said. This is what I set out to do. And this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do it. Got it. And if we could tie this back up to the theme of our show today, uh, the topic of redefining success on your terms, would you say that self-accountability is an integral part for you living or experiencing your redefined success? Absolutely. It plays a major role in redefining success. At the end of the day, it's you. You know, you you don't have anyone else to come in and hold your hand. Like when I went off to college, like that was the main thing. You know, they tell you, oh, you don't have mommy and daddy here to help you and get you out of bed. Like you, you're on your own. So fast forwarding, when you're in life, you really have to, you know, you're betting on yourself. You have to take responsibility of your actions. You're the one that has to make the hard decisions. You're the one that, that has to actually get up and do the work. So being so having um, self-accountability keeps you in check. It keeps you true to yourself. It keeps you, you know, staying on the right course and not deviating from the path. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, Roger, what advice would you give to your 50 year old self? You mentioned you're 29 earlier. Would I did. You? Yes. My 50 year old self, I'm used to having that question turned around. <laughs> what would you give to your younger self? So I would say to my 50 year old self, relax. I would say enjoy the little things and have the confidence in knowing that your 25 year old self moved with you in mind. You know, I am my own beneficiary. So, you know, when people pass away, you know, their children or their wives or their spouses are the beneficiary of, of everything. Well, my older self is my beneficiary of me. So, you know, I'm making sure that when I turn 50, all right, well, I'm glad I ate my vegetables when I was 20. You know, I'm glad I worked out when I was 20. I'm glad I made the investments and took out insurance policies when, when I was in my 20s. So I'm kind of, I want my 50-year-old self to be able to live in confidence and worry-free knowing that I was looking out for him now for the future. And to be able to do that is through the self-accountability and alignment to your redefined goal or your redefined success on your terms. Absolutely. Wonderful. Let me ask you, what would you or what does true worth mean to you? True worth. I guess it goes back to what I said on being successful, being truly successful. It's all one and the same to me. You could be the poorest man, but be rich in spirit, right? Mm. So having people respect you, having people honor you, having your children look up to you and honor you, 
that's what worth comes into play. It doesn't have anything really to do with your materials. But what you can't take it with you when you pass, right? So it's more so the footprint that you kind of leave behind you and how people review you, I suppose. You know, having a wife that adores you, having, you know, children that look up to you, you know, knowing that you showed up in life and did what you were supposed to do. You took care of business, you handled, you took care of your responsibilities and you led how you were supposed to lead and attack. You took on your calling and executed it to the very best of your ability. That's where true worth and true success comes in my book. So what I hear, Roderick, with true worth, it really is how you experience or how other people experience you. So your wife is doting on you. Your children look up to you. Your colleagues respect you. So when it's all said and done, that the way you make people feel and experience you kind of invertly makes you feel a certain level of worth inwardly. Is that correct? Correct. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So it gives you a good feeling of accomplishment and Mm. sensation to know, like, dang, I did good. I did what I was supposed to do. I did my job. So it's like a sense of relief. And the pressure is off you because you know, dang, these people respect me. My wife just adores me. My children look up to me. So it's like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And it kind of gives you a sense of accomplishment. Just like I did it. So relating what you're sharing and defining true worth to be for you to redefining success on your terms. When you say having family or individual look up or experience you in a certain way, as we said, and you made the comment doing my thing or doing what you're supposed to do, are you referring to those redefined success goals or intentions and if so, how does that leave you feeling when you're able to do what you say you're going to do and want to do when you look at worth inwardly and not just looking at those individuals outside of you? It makes me feel as though I'm accomplished. Going back to what we were saying, holding yourself, having self-accountability, it makes me feel as though I'm checking off the boxes that were necessary to get to that point of success and accomplishment. So it makes me feel good to know that, you know, I went above and beyond to make sure that, you know, my duty here was fulfilled. And, you know, I take great pride and to working hard and to the best of my ability to make sure that I stay true to my envision and my endeavors to make sure that those around me reap the benefit as well as my sense of accomplishment. They can feel accomplished in knowing that, you know, I showed up for them too. That is so wonderful, Roderick. And as we wrap up, really for our listeners to understand that when we redefine success, it is being willing to go outside of the norm and looking at the status quo of what we were taught success to be and asking ourselves, what is it to me to be successful? And once that plays out, or once we understand that aspect of our redefined success, it's now to be self-accountable. And one way to measure that level of true worth is looking at how people are experiencing us 
externally, but more importantly, that we're checking, we're able to say, yes, I showed up more often than not. So I appreciate you sharing your story and allowing us to have more insight in terms of what it means and what it looks like to redefine success on your terms. But before we go, Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing some of your poem with us of the king and the fool? Sure. I'm happy to do so. So the title of my poem is called King. I wrote it back early July of 2020. And I was literally sitting in my garage, just kind of pondering. And it just started to come to me. And I figured I would just start putting my thoughts to paper and It came about, so here's King. Sitting in the garage, enjoying the breeze, pollen in the air, and I sneeze. Listening to the whispering leaves, admiring the trees as they blow in the winds. This is how my story begins. It's rare I get the time to purge my mind, trying to clear the headspace before it gets too dense. It's a full-time job just making sure that common sense is well spent. I look out over yonder as I ponder, patiently awaiting to hear from God. And it's a repeated question, you see, that is constantly perplexing me. I think to myself, who is Rod? Bold but gentle, empathetic and sensual, courageously meek, interest is peak, but there is more to seek. For surface level, platitudes never go as deep. There is surely more than the eyes can meet, so I speak. Check, check, check. Conquer this life. Master thine self and reign supreme. The main theme and a dream of schemes to remain a boy or restore my regime. For in us all, there's a fool and a king. And I step into my king because I am king. Yet I'm torn again because I'm born again. Escaping my twin who wars within my skin. A symbol of sin. Gemini is him. The irony because I am he. The Tasmanian devil that silently resides in me. The wiles of this world, the battles of my flesh, constantly provoke and put my faith to the test. But at best, I'm the child of the most high. Resources from an unlimited supply. And I cry, but the tears of joy dry from my eyes from the winds of the ascension as I fly. I'm on the fence, you see. Powers and principalities try to defense me. But if he is for us, who can come against me? The war is won, but the battle is never done. It's just begun. Keeping my composure because I know where I come from. And I'm a remain a soldier till this kingdom has come. Wow. Wow. I love that part. Um, it's a full-time job of common sense to make sure it's well spent. Yeah. Yes. And yes. that the war is won, but the battle has just begun. Mm-hmm. That it's never, we're always constantly it's evolving. So... <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing your story with us. Your story really connected with what you and I have worked on, which is radical or practicing radical self-accountability, which in simple terms is you need your actions to be aligned with what you say you want to be. Right. Absolutely. And with that, Roderick, once again, I thank you for being on this episode with me and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in. Every inch of our episodes, we get closer to our truth. We are live every other Tuesday. So please join us and share this podcast with those close to you who could benefit. 
Each rating and review helps others to discover it too. For more episodes or to book an introductory session, go to findingtrueworth.com. The day is yours to create. I invite you to live it according to your truth.